welcome to the Backend Engineering Show with your host, Hussein Nasser. This is the show where we discuss the art and the craft of building software and cover recent news on backend technologies. If you enjoy the show, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and rate it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. With that said, let's get on the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's going on, guys? My name is Hussein, and in this live stream podcast, we're going to discuss four topics that happened last week and maybe previous weeks. Uh, Facebook have moved completely too quick on their back end. Uh, there is a new technology called MASK, all stands for Multiplexed Application Substrate Over Quick Encryption. What is that, and will it really replace, replace VPN? technology we're gonna find out and also kafka is completely removing zookeeper from their product they just actually push that stuff it's in the software that's kip 500 we're gonna discuss that what happened what does that mean to zookeeper right it doesn't mean anything it's just kafka design right but and finally dotnet 5.0 what's the new features on that how about we jump into it, guys? So, guys, we discussed Quick as a technology in various uh, in various videos in my in my channel, and uh, Quick as a technology is is a is a great alternative to HTTP two, but the problem is a lot of people don't like HTTP2, especially database people, right? Because there is this excess of headers that most protocols really don't need in HTTP, right? You have these headers and content type. They don't need any of that. So the HTTP was designed for the web as a resource-based. So when we moved, we want the beauty of HTTP2, the idea of multiplexing multiple things and streams. And guys, I talk about HTTP2 and, and all that stuff. Check out the video right here if you want to learn more about it here i think it's very rare and uh so what they, there are some limitations in http2 so the headers and uh, the other problems is the tcp head of line blocking which i talked about in, in the limitation as well in http2 uh, hit the mic so when when you do uh when you have a single tcp connection you stream logical request which which are comprised of multiple packets, right? Each packet to the TCP stack is just a packet. But to you as an application, 
you have a group oh these these three packets is request number one these three packets or four packets are request number two these seven packets are request number three the tcp stack doesn't know that so if you have one packet that has been lost it has to be retransmitted and as a result tcp says wait a second this this packet has been lost and we didn't receive packet number three so wait is going to stall all the packets as a result despite packet number one two three or four five six received successfully which belong to request number two but we paused everything because the tcp stack has to wait for all the sequenced packet to arrive in sequence so it says all good all good we received all the packets that's called T tcp head of line blocking head of line blocking is a problem in http pipelining as well so we want to solve this but we have to remove tcp so they built the same concept on top of edb and they call it quick this is very 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 trivial uh, explanation of quick right so now facebook decided to taste quick so they 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 moved uh, first of all they started moving their backend to quick right they moved their backend to quick and uh, they started with re-implementing the quick protocol itself because that's this facebook uh, strategy any protocol that is there they have to write their own implementation so they have full control over that plus it's facebook money they have the money they can do it so they they built their own reverse proxy they built their own quick protocol implementation and they i think they call it mvfst mvfst and by the way guys we're discussing this article and i I'll, I'll try to paste it as i discuss so you guys can follow along but this is the article we're discussing right now right so they built this and and uh, they started between their services start shifting from tcp over whatever protocol they use http into quick right some quick implementations are just http3 which is on top of quick some of them are just native quick because i have no idea they didn't explain what their exact protocol uh, on the back end is so they use they, now they start using quick on top of udp and then all of these communications now happening between all these services using udp so immediately they saw a great performance there and no problems as far as we discussed this article and we made we talked about this article that just i'm gonna just summarize this a little bit quickly so as a result they saw move okay we met we changed the back end between our services now all our services communicate in quick guys the microservices de facto is that word de facto I think de facto, yeah. De facto to communicate between two services as well is gRPC. Remember, Facebook went the other route. And that's just interesting to me. Very, very interesting. Right? That they went a different route and they built their own library, right? Because you have you need a library to communicate in quick. So that library is called MVFist. It's just very interesting that people that that Facebook always finds a way to kind of uh, moves away from the norm. That's what happened with GraphQL. That's happened with Cassandra. Well, Cassandra, they kind of took the idea from Amazon DynamoDB. But nevertheless, they always like Cassandra, GraphQL, React, 
react is just oh it's a revolutionary thing right i don't use it but it's revolutionary because look at how many people use it but all of that stuff facebook is is really innovative say what you want about facebook if you don't like the company as but you gotta you gotta you gotta admit they 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 are very innovative when it comes to that and they share this stuff they just push it out to the public and not just the open source they talk about it cloudflare is another company that that does that which is which is i really respect companies that do that so they moved it they moved the quick protocol now okay the back end between communication is all quick not grpc it's quick now that's another question what's grpc grpc we talked about it right check out, check out the video right here grpc is built on the on top of HTTP too because the beauty of of stream processing and multiplexing is very very powerful and because you have like unary and, and bi-directional communication grpc now quick we just completely went another route so this mv fist library is very interesting i think it's open source but i don't see anybody using it except facebook will it be popular and will it replace grpc what do you guys think i think no especially i'm gonna tell you why http2 is not bad http2 has this, this little tiny mini mini problem and and yeah the headers you might say oh i don't like headers, but they are compressed this this hpack compression whatever it's called so it's 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 negligible the amount of overhead that you have plus you might say hussein tcp overhead you just talk about that the head of line blocking http2 so grpc uses this so grpc have the tcp head of line blocking so what if you have a reliable network 10 gigabit the amount of time that you're gonna get lost packet is is less and less and less especially if you have like wired network not 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 long distance right it's just very close to each other very close again guys check out my video keep your database closed and your servers closer no it's the other way around keep your servers closed and your database closer why because the closer the lower the latency the better the performance auto auto says auto thank you so much for joining me in the live stream you got you you have a great addition to the community all those comments are awesome i think in case of quick and facebook they wanted to use it as quickly pun intended <laughs> as possible developing their own library they made sure it works best for them i cannot agree more with you auto thank you thank you for all your insight so 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 yeah that's it mv fest so they moved now that they finished with the back and they moved to the front end and said let's try this on the facebook app and guys facebook app now yeah now you're talking load long distance because i have a facebook app on my phone right hey right if it's on my phone i gotta connect to wi-fi and the wi-fi connects through signals and then goes through lots more hubs than if it's a back-end app which is literally literally one-to-one -one between two pairs so so the idea here is 
the idea. If I have well, I lost my train of thought. So the idea if I have this mobile app and then I I I try to communicate with a long distance, there is a chance of retransmission in the TCP. So if I'm using TCP as a transmission protocol, then the lost packet. If I'm using HTTP2, then the head of line blocking will happen. And if I'm sending a lot of requests, that you can feel that head of line blocking. Pull request number one, two, three, four, five will have to wait. Or no, so request number two, three, four, five, six, seven have to wait because request number one, for some reason, there is a stinking packet that just were, were lost. And as a result, we'll get a blocked everything so that's head of line blocking so now facebook brought this mv fest which is the quick their quick library to the facebook app and we're going to discuss what happened when they did that vector super chat keep up the good work hussein you helped me a lot with your web rtc video i've been longing to learn that though I can uh, afford this much. <laughs> Thank you so much. You didn't have to do a super chat. Appreciate it. Thank you for the super chat. Appreciate it. So they moved to the, uh, to, the, to the quick protocol in their Facebook app before they moved to the other applications like Messenger and, and, and uh, Instagram and all the other stuff. By the way, I doubt they use quick for their Messenger, but I might be wrong. So, what the first thing they saw is just, they saw, when they implemented, they saw worse performance, <laughs> ironically. When they implemented the quick protocol on their, on their Facebook app, they saw worse performance. And the reason was, there, there's something called um, that's telemetry, and, and uh, not telemetry, there's another word for it, metrics, right? Heuristics, that's the word. So the Facebook app uses, obviously, HTTP2, I believe, and that, that uses TCP. And if it uses TCP, TCP is a different protocol. So that the application was, was designed so that it, it tastes the network using the TCP uh, protocol. So it says, hey, can I send this much? Can I send this much bandwidth? Can you handle this much bandwidth? This is all handled with the TCP flow control. Right, and the application also ha have its own layer where it handles this flow control. That was very, very limited and was designed. These numbers, this heuristics was designed. It's just randomly for that app, just just like that was designed for the TCP. So when they use the same heuristics and implemented quick, the app freaked out. It says, "Whoa! I sent the request and." And there was no delay at all because UDP, right? There's no flow control. There's nothing. So all of a sudden, the, the heuristics started saying, oh, I can send this much request then. It started seeing, sending thousand and thousand and thousand more requests. And, and as a result, the application couldn't handle it because there's CPU processing that needs to happen in the local level in order to do that. So what they did, just, oh, this will not work. So they said, okay, oh, hold on, hold on app. Don't don't freak out. I know it's just like it's, it's it's like you've been present for a long time, and then someone just opened the door, and then you flee. Right? That's exactly what happened to Facebook. So, 
what happened is they changed these parameters and they said, okay, let's let's taste different parameters. And as a result, they gain obviously more performance. It wasn't it wasn't a great performance compared to what I was imagining. It's just like 8% or 6%. But to Facebook, that's really great. Again, guys, with Facebook, and then obviously they moved to Instagram and then all the video app, everything to quick. So that's their that's their that's, that's their path of moving to this stuff. So if you're just joining us, welcome. We we're discussing different news topic. The first news uh, is a Facebook moving to Quick completely, and uh, that, that's just the first this first part. Then we're gonna move to uh, the other topics as well as we continue in this live stream. So yeah, so they moved uh, their app. Now everything is on top of Quick. So the only problem they faced is is this: how can we tune the app so that it doesn't freak out when you see this much? bandwidth and it doesn't over send because there's always a limit don't say you cannot send unlimited requests there's some bottleneck somewhere and and that when you hit that bottleneck you're gonna feel it right so so there is limit for for the for the wires the limits on the in the cpu at your phone when it's using the app there's a limit at the back end for the cpu usage when i say cpu usage here it's very important with quick because quick what it what it uses is um it uses streams and in order to, to these packets that you receive from the network protocol layer four you need to start assembling those packets into what 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 the application thinks as oh this is now a channel this is now a stream this is now a request and that assemblage takes time we did not have this assemblage problem and CPU consumption in HTTP one, for example, because it's a raw request. We just if I if I if if you receive TCP packets in HTTP one one, that's it. These are literally the packets. May, they might be encrypted with TLS, but that's it. There's no, there, you don't have to wait for anything. Once you receive that packet, you you decrypt 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 decrypt. Once you see a new line, which uh, whatever the the HTTP one separator, I forgot, I think, uh, carriage return. Once you see that, that's the end of the request. Once you, when you, once you see HTTP one one begin, that's the beginning of the request. That's how you find out. And HTTP two, that no, we have to, there's, there's stream headers, actual packet headers, right? So that you have to wait for them. Then the MTU, the maximum transmission unit, all that stuff is just way, way complicated. So yeah. Moving to quick, sometimes you can, if, if you think about it, is it worth to move to all that stuff versus just use pure HTTP one? Really think about it. Really think about it. It depends on your use case. So that's the first news. That's the first news. There's a second news. Multiplexed application substrate over quick on Krebsons. It's a very, very bills and whistles. So much bills and whistles. So, um, what's his name? Chris Wood and from Apple. He used to work with Apple. Now he's, I think, he's with Cloudflare. Yeah, he's with Cloudflare. And uh, Lucas Perdue, also from Cloudflare. Those guys are working on a new protocol. 
guys, I don't know if you're familiar with how VPN works, but VPN works as a layer, almost as a layer two protocol. There is a specific protocol that allows that. But that's one concept of implementing this, right? The other concept is if you want to implement proxying layers, right? You have a proxy protocol where I'm connecting to the proxy and then the proxy communicate on my behalf, right? How does proxy work? How does VPNs work? What you do is you go to your uh, phone or your laptop or your computer and you specifically say, okay, for this protocol, please use this proxy, okay? And what that means that based on the protocol against there's SOX proxy, there's the SOX protocol where it will send all the packets to that proxy first. So let's say you have, uh, you want to go to google.com, but your app, your computer have a proxy IP address. Says one, let's say, I don't know, proxy.com. Very shady, obviously. So what will happen here is any pack, even you go, going to google.com, assuming the proxying is HTTP, or HTTPS, what will happen is all your packet will be sent to the proxy first. You might say, Hussein, if I send my packet to the proxy, then the IP address and the TCP packet is destined to the proxy, which is true. But how does the proxy know that I'm going to Google? Ah, the proxy have to actually decrypt the content to actually look at this. That's why proxies are very dangerous especially the HTTPS proxies. HTTP proxies, I mean, they look at your content anyway because it's unencrypted. But HTTPS proxies, man, you got to think because before using that because what the HTTPS proxy actually do is they act like a physical man in the middle. You communicate to that and then it sends you, sends you its own certificate. And then you have a cryptic channel between you and the proxy. And then you say, hey, I want to go to Google. A proxy knows that, hey, oh, you want to go to Google because there's a host header, right? That's why in HTTP 1.0, we couldn't do proxying because there was no host header. With the host header, oh, you want to go to Google? Now, let me send that request to Google. So Google only knows the proxy in this case. And there is a lot of advantages for this. Uh, for God's sake, service mesh works like this. Service mesh is all about proxying, right? Because... If I, idea, if, if I have a proxy, like what's the benefit of proxy? That's one benefit, right? Hide my identity. But think about it this way. What if I am um, a service mesh, right? Forget about service mesh. I want to communicate between two services. One service A, service B. And to communicate between two services, you need to understand some sort of common protocol, right? So... This common protocol, HTTP, might be HTTP2, might be gRPC. And as a result, the understanding of this protocol needs that this service or this app or this app needs to have the library to communicate with each other, right? You have to have some sort of library. Twitter have Finagle. Facebook have MVFist, which we just talked about. And uh, other libraries, I mean, if you have Python, you, you have to import request library so you can send a request. So this creates a little bit of overhead, right? Because now you, if you want to join the microservices 
mesh, right? Then you have to abide by this library, right? Because if you want to communicate with me, I'm sorry, you have to use this library because, and not only this library, the moment you use this library, that means you have to use this language. If my MVFest is written in Java, I don't think so it is, then your code must be written in Java because you have to import the library. How do you import Java code in, in Python? You cannot do that. So that's some limitation, right? Service Mesh comes and solves it. Hey guys, we're going to do the communication for you. You don't care. You just send us, you set us as your proxy and you send a request as HTTP 1.1 unencrypted. Don't care about it because it's going to be loopback. It's in the loopback or it's going to be a sidecar container. And that, as a result, fine. Send it to me as a container, as a, uh, the sidecar, or send it to me as a local host. And then I'll turn around and use a beautiful uh, protocol upgrade. I'm going to use HTTP 1, uh, 2. I'm going to uh, use HTTP 3. I'm going to use Quake. I'm going to use gRPC. You don't care as a client, as an application. You don't care. And in the future, if you wish to upgrade the protocol, let's say you, we use HTTP 2 and we want to move HTTP 3, no problem. Your application does not change. You, you, you just send a request to the service mesh, which is just, you don't really send it. It's just, you set the proxy and it automatically does the job for you, which is magic. It is absolutely magic. So mask here is a protocol that is designed for this communication to be encrypted first. So that's the goal here. So it's called multiplexed application substrate over quick encryption, right? Because the communication between you and the, the proxy is now encrypted and the, between the proxy and the destination is also encrypted, right? The, I don't think they talk about the, the destination between the proxy and then they talk about mainly this concept, right? So this is a replacement for the SOX proxy where instead of having this, this unencrypted channel, which is, can be dangerous if your proxy is outside your local area network or not, not just local area, outside your computer, then you don't want that, right? So that's, that's kind of saves things. Oh yeah, Otto says, better to use connect request ahead to proxy decrypt them. Yes, so to the connect method, HTTPS connect method, is a different way where it establishes a tunnel. It says, that's a, thank you for reminding me about that one. So what it, will, what it will do says, okay, proxy, I want you to connect. So you send an HTTP, normal HTTP request to, to your proxy and says, connect to that. And what would that will do, it will establish a tunnel between you and the destination. And then anything you send, it will immediately just go there, right? That means the proxy can't send it, and essentially. But it will do... It will, it will just stream whatever you send to the backend immediately, just like a tunnel. We talked about tunneling. Uh, check out the video of a SSH tunnel, just normal tunneling in general. So yeah, HTTP connect. That's also a replacement for HTTP connect or could be a different protocol. They didn't specify that. So it's just this is something new to discuss. I don't know how this will look like, to be honest. It's very, very in its infancy, but it's very interesting. Yeah. So, you guys, if you're just joining us, we are discussing 
several news in this live stream today and uh, answering some of your great, uh, great questions. Happy Diwali for everybody who celebrates. Thanks, Rohit. Yeah, I'm craving a gulab jamun right now. That dessert. When I was to Bahrain, I was uh, my Indian uh, colleagues were always like bringing this gulab jamun. It's it's a, it's an Indian sweet. It's just like it's very very sweet. So you have to drink it with either Arabic coffee or just normal coffee. How long have you been into proxy? Your knowledge is very deep. Uh, you'll be surprised. I've been into proxies for the moment. See my first video on the proxy. That's the moment I started learning about proxies in deep and depth. So I would say two years or three years. So I've, I've been searching about proxies for, for three years now, which is, which is not long, in my opinion, because I, I think I still don't know much about it. Like I'm still not comfortable talking about this HTTP connect method and tunneling. It's a lot of networking concept there. So that I need to learn more about it. But yeah, yeah, thank you so much though. Appreciate it. Um, where I work for now from home, we have to use VPN on our laptop. Should I be worried about my personal information? So when you use VPN, what, what happens literally is, and, and network people correct me if, I'm, if I said anything stupid, what happened is you're, you have a machine here, right? And you're connected to a bunch of network in a bunch of machines in your local area network whether Wi-Fi, whether whatever router, right? And now there is your work computer right here. And then your work computer is connected, not necessarily your work, your work net environment has multiple machines, has its own network, has its own router, right? What VPN does logically is take you as a computer and literally logically put you as part of that network. That's what it does. So as if, any request, anything, any frame you send, it will, it will be sent as if you're part of that network. And as a result, all your applications there will light up. That's the idea of this. Now you might say, Hussein, what are you saying? How can, I, how can you put my machine there? The idea here, that's the VPN. What, what, what happened here, you establish a, a layer two communication encryption between yourself, your machine, and the VPN server. And then once you establish the keys, any frame you send will be translated. Uh, to it will, be, it will be sent as if you are part of that network. So now anything is encrypted. So no one in the middle knows, but your work definitely knows. Again, I'm going to put double code there. But your work definitely knows. Right, because the VPN server located at your work, right? So anything you send will go through the VPN server. It's encrypted, so no one in the middle will know. Even your ISP will not know where you're going. Even DNS queries, all of this stuff is encrypted. So once you reach that, then once you start sending requests from that virtual machine, the virtual computer that was created, it was virtual. It will create a new IP address for you. Everything. Now, once you send that request to to whoever outside, then it will go through your work proxy, right? If there is a proxy, and will go to your work ISP, and those will be seen if it's unencrypted. Now, if you you might say, 
if I go, if I search, how do I get a girlfriend on your work machine? Will my, will my employer see that? Well, I'm going to answer, it depends, right? Regardless of whether you're VPN or not, this is exactly the same. If your work, work uses a proxy that is terminating proxy, and most enterprises do, and you can find out very easily by right-clicking, find in your work machine, say if there is a proxy IP address. If there is a proxy IP address, then yes. Then they are terminating all the traffic. If there is an HTTPS, right? Then, then they are terminating and serving you their own certificate, the work certificate, and they decrypting everything so they know every single thing that you do through HTTPS at least, right? If they have a SOX proxy, then anything anything even your oracle db connection right they, they know that if you're going outside but if they don't have that proxy then no they cannot know anything and anyone who tells you yeah there is they're they're not right so that's why once you know how things work, you become more confident, right? Just like you know how things work. Just, just like yeah. So nobody can bullshit you. Otto, do you agree with the, with, the, with what I said? And any network, they can also do it transparently. How, Ali? Transparently. Strictly speaking, two risks. Uh, the software you install on your machine could, in theory, do something with your machine. And the second risk is just does it send other no work traffic none work traffic to oh my god he's right auto always hits the uh, hits the bell so yeah it depends like what is the VPN proxy that you're using if you're using the native operating system VPN then maybe you're safe but if you're installing some third party VPN then well the shade you have no idea unless you install Wireshark and look at the traffic. Then there's this VPN splitting thing where does all your traffic now goes through your work? Like what if you are searching personal stuff and you don't want that to go through your work, right? And you might say if that, if that stuff is encrypted, then you might not have to worry if they don't have a proxy that terminates and look at that stuff. But if it's unencrypted, then you have to worry again. All right, guys, let's move to the next point. Zookeeper. If you're just joining us, we're discussing different news that happened and uh, last week. Uh, back in engineering, specifically, that's what I like to discuss. Like most of the stuff is here in back end, but I sometimes touch on the front end and, and just general software engineering. So if you like this stuff, make sure to hit that like button and subscribe. Smash like, as the YouTubers say. Smash like right now. If you don't smash like, uh, a duck will die, as PewDiePie says. Smash like right now. <laughs> Can't believe I just said smash like. Okay, Zookeeper, Kafka, and Zookeeper. All right, uh, I'm going to take a little bit of break, and we're going to join you soon. My dog is parking, and I want to see what is wrong with him. <laughs> Just a second. Be right back, guys.
Ali says, I'll send you some configuration for transparent SSL proxy. Can, must be trusted on the client. Uh, yeah, because you work in a bank, right? So you must have a definitely an HTTPS terminating proxy. I don't know, I don't know if it's transparent though. Oh, but yeah, I'd love to learn about that. Thank you. Nice. All right. So we're talking about Zookeeper. Zookeeper. So, guys, Kafka. We talked about Kafka many times on this channel, right? Check out the video right here. Um, Kafka, or just type Kafka. Hussein, you're going to find my video. It's around one hour and 15 minutes, something like that. Talking about Kafka. But Kafka, guys, is a, is a stream processing. That's, that's how they market a stream processing layer where you have a single broker. You can publish something to a topic. People or consumers can subscribe to a topic and they're going to get this information from given partitions. These topics are breaking down into partitions so they can, essentially, that's a concept of sharding, very similar to sharding. Uh, where get if topic get large, we need to to partition this stuff. And there's the idea of consumer groups and all that stuff. We talked about all that stuff. Kafka to manage this metadata, where hey, we have topic called uh, users, we have topic called um, news, we have topic called uh, top political news, right? All of this stuff, and we have. In this topic, there are 700 partitions. In this topic, there are 300 partitions. All of this stuff is kept in something called Zookeeper. And Zookeeper is a high availability uh, event store. It just stores data for you in a high available. So that if one machine goes down, you can, you can uh, the information will be transmitted into another machine, right? So that you can ask any machine for this information without goes down. So it's a distributed uh, data store let's say you can do you can you can talk about this way however if you think about it if you really think about it http uh, sorry, kafka itself is a distributed store right because it has the same concept it distributes all this and it has an idea of brokers so now kafka ran into a problem with 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 managing the state of the metadata in the broker, right, which is the topics, partitions, in the broker, and also in Zookeeper. So most of the time they run problems into brokers uh, having outdating metadata, right? And the other problem is that if Zookeeper goes down, the whole thing is useless. Despite the brokers are up, once Zookeeper goes down, this uh, the Kafka cluster cannot work because all of this stuff is stored in Kafka. Uh, and, and Zookeeper, right? So there are many problems with Zookeeper when it comes to Kafka. When it comes to Kafka. Again, I repeat that. Only when it comes to Kafka. Doesn't mean Zookeeper is bad. Why? Because they thought about this. Like, wait a second. We are storing topics. And we are storing data in the Kafka brokers. And topics, right? Partitions. Why don't we just store the metadata also... In the, in the brokers themselves. So that we treat ourselves as the storage. We, so the metadata is stored. The data metadata is stored as data in the broker. So it's so meta, right? It's like the 
Kafka started storing their own metadata in Kafka. That's what they want to propose. So that they just eliminate all this overhead of maintaining Zookeeper as an extra layer. And this way, they don't have to sync the state between, oh, broker, this broker that's been up has uh, this, it knows about this topic, but we just added a new topic, so we need to add it to Zookeeper. And then one Zookeeper will finish this information, will push it down to the broker, and push is something they, uh, Kafka is just going away from because they, you cannot handle push versus pull. Pull is always a good idea, right? Because you have, you take the rhythm of the client. The client asks for information, and then whenever the client is ready, they will pull information versus push. Push is like, how do you know the client will, is, is on to push this information, right? I mean, you might say, hey, there is a TCP connection, right? Of course, that's how you push information. That's why the client is on. But even if the TCP connection is alive, pushing that message does not mean that the client, you don't know about the client state. Maybe the client is processing a huge job and there is no CPU usage there. It's just it's just dying right now and you just pushed something in, in its throat. How do you know it's going to receive it or not? Are you going to maintain this state that, hey, we just pushed something, the client did, uh, didn't get it? Does Kafka now maintain that stuff? That's how RabbitMQ does it, by the way. It's just, it's a disaster. It's a disaster to implement. So Kafka moved away from all that stuff to long polling, which is, hey, if you want something, ask me. And this way, I know as a client that if you're asking me, that means you're ready to receive information. That's why YouTube struggles with push notification. Why do you think you have this bill icon? Do you think because uh, uh, YouTube... Uh, care about your uh you're being annoyed of a notification no they want to minimize the their overhead because they cannot physically push this much notification imagine pewdiepie just uploaded a video 100 million you want you want us to send 100 million notification push to these not to the user how the heck do we know right 100 million users that's just impossible. That, that that will just the the act of spinning up all these processes to send this not, push notification is gonna be insane. Although you don't, that YouTube doesn't send notification to them to the device itself because that's done through Apple notification cloud, was it, whatever it's called, an Android Google notification cloud. So they push it to Google, but there is a limit, right? They don't talk about this stuff, but I bet that's what's happening. Nobody can do this stuff physically. Push, push is hard. Pushing is hard. Pushing is hard. Pushing is very hard. Oh, some big brain things being discussed here. I hope someday I get this legend to understand this stuff. Oh, man. Don't. Don't say that. Believe me. Whatever we discuss is not is not rocket science. Cause, yeah, it might be a lot of convoluted stuff. That's my job. My job. If if you don't understand what I'm saying, that means I failed, in my opinion. Right. That's I try to simplify. I I try to digest the mess out there, and try to 
simplify it so I can understand it, and then I turn around and then produce it to you guys in a digestible manner. And I think some of you appreciate that, some of you like that, some of you just don't like my delivery style at all, all right? And I can't do anything about it, I'm sorry, because that, that's my personality, I'm, I'm, I'm chipper like this all, all the time, all right? And even in real life, when I talk, I'm, I'm like this. So I'm not faking my myself here. So it's like, a lot of people are like, hey, speak normal. Don't speak like that. It's like, I don't know why they sound like that. But yeah, don't speak like that. Speak normal. What do you mean speak normal? I'm speaking normal. Sheesh. Darshan, dude, I am a noob. I'll just graduate the next year. I have a lot to explore. Yes, if you have this attitude that you have a lot to explore and there is no limit to the sea of knowledge, then you'll be unstoppable one day. Because always have this open mind that you don't know anything. And I don't know anything. Literally, I don't know anything. So yeah, Zookeeper is done. Again, let me fix that. Zookeeper is being removed from Kafka as a result because it's just it's a duplicated work, plus all this Java stuff. I mean, yeah, Kafka is, is built on Java, but yes, too many Java virtual machines, just too much. Also, your channel, great man, go got a lot to learn from you. Thank you so much. I love the way you simplify things. Appreciate it, Ram. Appreciate it. Thank you. I'm glad you. What happened with Kafka Zookeeper? Oh, we, we, just, we just discussed it. Uh, Kafka is removing Zookeeper from its platform. So now when you install Kafka, I don't know which release that will be, but you will not need to spin up Zookeeper as a result. So that, and the, and the main reason is they, they found out that why are we storing the metadata, which is the topics and partitions, and the position of of each consumer in in Zookeeper, where we can store it in Kafka itself. So they built this nice architecture right there. I'll uh, I'll, I'll send the link right here. It's very very nice, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful picture. It's a terrific picture. Terrific, terrific, tremendous. It's a tremendous, beautiful picture. So they they show how they show how the 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 new architecture where you have a broker and you have multiple brokers and these brokers are also themselves leaders and they they essentially distribute the metadata itself so the 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 summary is kafka says hey we're a distributed data store as well why don't we store the metadata in ourselves that's how they solve it obviously took it took years this project is big under KIP 500, yes, that's what it's called, KIP 500. KIP 500 is what, what this is called. <laughs> All folks here, click the bell icon to test the notification push. Hey, no, don't kill YouTube. <laughs> oh, yeah, even, even if you click the notification bell, by the way, YouTube will not send the notification every time because they just can't. I don't believe they can. Physically, implementation-wise, they can't. It's just not possible to send it to everybody. It's just how do first of all, how do they know that you have turned on notification? That's just another information. 
I mean, they can they can know from Google or Apple. If you're using Apple or Google, Android, that information that you disabled notification for YouTube will be transmitted to the Google Cloud. And then when YouTube want to send a push notification to, right, to to Apple so that you can send it to that particular user, they say, oh, don't bother because because the, this user has already disabled notification. So apparently from what the, the, the messaging, what YouTube tells us, YouTube even don't know this, doesn't have this knowledge that users have turned on this notification. I think this might be a privacy thing. Right, because once you turn off notification, I don't think they that that the Apple transmit this information. Can you please talk about Kafka overheads? Well, Kafka is is an overhead to implement, right? Because there is there is a lot of stuff there. You have to spin up. Well, now become easier, right? And I don't know. I have to make another video to to test Kafka without Zookeeper. But yeah, just spinning a multiple. Uh, Kafka brokers and then communicating between the brokers themselves that's just a lot of work right and, and when you write to a broker that's what something I like about that in the client app with Kafka when you want to communicate you specify a list of brokers with their IP address which is neat in my opinion you push the knowledge of the load balancing to the client itself a lot of people do that and I'm I first suspected that. It's like, why don't you just push that load balancing concept to the back end? Like, uh, like, uh, like normal people, like load balancer. You have one IP address, and when, whenever you send me a request, I'm going to load balance it to the, other, to the other servers. But this, they just removed the, the extra layer of the reverse proxy. And they said, hey, here are our public IP addresses of all the brokers. We have seven brokers. Eh. When you communicate with one, it gives you the other IP addresses. And says, okay, you can communicate with this and this and this and this. Up to you. So the client have the freedom to connect to a server. Just like the old days when you when you want to play a multiplayer game, right? You pick which server to connect to. So that's called client load balancers. The, the, the load balancing becomes on the client level. Right? So the client pick which server. And then you can you can choose different servers and obviously when i say choose i'm not talking about the user i'm talking about the client library which is smarter than the user <laughs> if it's up to user the user will always choose one server right that that they know that works hi saying thank you for the high quality videos i'm a fan of yours from south korea wow i think you were the first from south korea i never seen uh, anyone thank you so much sinwo appreciate you dear right oh i have five colleagues from uh, from work all from south korea i love goes without saying i love korean barbecue obviously here in california it's a big thing here but we don't go to the real barbecue places because <laughs> it's, it's different we we only know the popular touristy ones if, <clears throat> If the IP changes, client load balancer fails, right? Yes, that's a good question, right? What if IP changes, all right? If the IP changes, here's the thing, right? If That's why you have multiple ones. You have to communicate between multiple ones, right? If one if one IP address fails, you the client will, fail, will feel it. It's like, oh, this one is down. Let me try the other one, right? But the, I, most of the time, 
that uh, that failure will not be will not be happening because that also have its own load balancing because when you connect with a broker doesn't mean that that broker will do the work for you it will just facilitate the request to the actual leader just like cassandra i believe cassandra works very similarly all right cassandra has also this idea of nodes and then you pick one node to connect to and then that nodes communicate with the leader right it, it, there is a leader election and all that stuff hello my question is how to learn back engineering in the right way <clears throat> i recently subscribed to your channel and i found many useful uh, tutorials but i'm not sure how to start that's a good question let's do it right now so back in engineering guys i'm planning to make a course no definitely not to need me because i hate that platform but I'm, maybe I'm, I'm going to move to my own course uh, platform but back in engineering i have three playlists three playlists back end engineering what is that thing back in engineering i can't find it back in engineering i can't find it of course i can't find it so back in engineering i have three playlists guys hopefully i can paste it right here i have a beginner can i paste all of them Ugh, chat doesn't tell me this that's a lot of text so oh, sorry about that did air did air all right so this is the beginner playlist i just pasted it right here in the chat so there is a beginner, intermediate, and advanced. That's all sorted based on my understanding. And you can watch the list from top to bottom, especially the beginner, because the beginner, I believe what what new engineers should learn is TCP stack, uh, OSI model, things like that. So this 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 playlist should should help you. Just uh, just watch it from top to bottom they are prioritized and hopefully in the future I'll, I'll create a course which is just obviously one stop shop instead of watching different videos but yeah and ask a lot a lot a lot a lot of questions uh, i know very little about kafka looking at information available looks like they are adding raft correct yes raft is that protocol uh what is called the election uh, the consensus 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 protocol right again i don't know much about raft as well but yeah to election of to elect the master of between these brokers they use raft as a software and i don't know much about raft but yeah my man my man i love <laughs> my man all right final news before we end that stream what do we have what do we have what do we have the final news dot net five so guys dot net who here uses dot net who here uses dot net raise your hand i feel like i'm in class <laughs> if you guys develop in dot net like i did for the past 16 years even more than that dot net is a technology built by microsoft it's a it's a framework that you build write programs for and and once you install the .NET runtime on the operating system, you will be able to run your application on that operating system, right? And they have .NET 5.0 for Windows, Mac OS, Linux, and x86, x64, and the new thing is ARM, this, this new ARM architecture. 
there. So yeah, they started supporting all this stuff. So .NET 5. I'm, I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit surprised that they called it .NET 5, in my opinion, because I didn't see a lot of new features. They just improvement and performance. So I'm surprised they called it 5.0. And maybe they run out of numbers. I don't know. They could, they could have called it 4.10 or 4.11. But yeah, I don't know what the, what's the breaking change to call 5.0, in my opinion. But let's read through the, the new changes. Not me, me, me. <laughs> Depend on the requirement. I do sometimes. Yeah, Ali, Ali uses .NET. So, .NET. Let's read through the highlights. .NET 5.0 is already battle-tested and is being hosted for months on dot, .NET, dot, dot .NET, <laughs> and Bing.com. So, Bing is written on .NET. Here you go. Of course it is. I'll be surprised they, 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 they choose another language. Right, so Bing.com, right, which I don't know who uses Bing, right? But if you use Bing, then you know now you you now know that it's built on top of .NET. So that means that whatever the operating system in the back end, it just works. The second highlight is in .NET 5.0 is performance is greatly improved across many components and is described in details. Uh, in the performance of gRPC. Look at this stuff. So I want to read more about this. The gRPC and perf performance, guys. That is really nice. You know, guys, I don't know if I can send you this, but this is mad. I'll send you this. Do you know what is what is the best performance when it comes to gRPC library? What's the best gRPC library? Because gRPC supports multiple libraries, Python, JavaScript, right? PHP. You know what's the best that gives you the higher throughput? Request per second. Right? Because request per second, that's the most important thing in gRPC. Multiplexing, HTTP2, right? Who can make a guess? The best one, take a guess right now before we jump. What is the best gRPC platform? Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Nope, not, not that one. Look at this. Rust is the first one. With 50,000. 50,000 requests per second in gRPC. Wowzy. And, and I, I, I make sense. it makes sense because Rust is a not a garbage collecting language. And, and that, they, they, they use the memory in a very efficient way. And if they write it well, they can squeeze performance. So if you want to build a gRPC client, probably use Rust. But look at the second one. The second one is .NET. I am blown away. .NET has the best, the second best. And it's not by much. 48,000. It's just 20,000. Who cares? I'm not gonna send more than forty-eight thousand requests. Second, I am, I am intrigued. Go Microsoft, golf clap for you, Microsoft. Forty-eight thousand requests per second in gRPC and .NET five. It is fast. Wowzy, wowzy. The third, guys. A lot of you are a fan of GoLang. GoLang is the third. Forty-seven. Thousand requests per second, and the fourth location is CPP, uh, C plus plus, forty five thousand. Whoa, that's a, okay. How is CPP failing? 
Okay, this is not acceptable. How is CPP non-garbage collected language, right? And it's closer to the metal that it does not outperform .NET. I, I bet it's just, I bet you that it's just an implementation detail. If you re-implement the C++, it could perform, outperform C, uh, Rust and outperform .NET. I'm really surprised about this one. Again, garbage collection is not everything, but definitely it's a it's a it's a it's a factor because when you, when you build all these streams, you reserve memory location as long as CPU bandwidth. So I don't know where they come to these numbers, but the worst thing I'm gonna and then goes down until the worst thing is Ruby. <laughs> so avoid using Ruby in gRPC and definitely Python. Yuck! Four thousand requests per second. Ugh. Again, 4,000 requests is a lot, guys, by the way. <laughs> but still, so uh, so Java is 36,000 requests per second, 25 requests, 1,000 percent, Kotlin, which is the Android thing. Lua, wow, Lua, I'm hearing a lot of good things about Lua. Lua is 18,000 requests per second, gRPC, and uh, Node is uh, Node.js, 12,000. There you go, guys. There you go. No JS. No JS. We just said it. 12,000. No JS. So, yeah, when I say .NET, I mean C Sharp, VB.NET, uh, F Sharp, if you're into that kinky kind of things. So, yeah, I like that. Is it a breaking change for to say it 5.0? Uh, to to, to kind of release a new release. Maybe they're just going to go with a new release, just like uh, Firefox. Oh, version 36. Chrome is 58. So C-sharp, uh, another highlight. C-sharp 9 and F-sharp 5 offer new programming language supports. Uh, they, they, they offer new programming language and supports uh, top-level programs, records for C, C++, C-sharp, uh, C no C++. JSON serialization, faster JSON serialization. So if you're using .NET 5 and you're serializing JSON and deserializing JSON, Good news, you just your JSON serialization just get, just became better because they they are they improved the JSON. So if you have a huge payload coming from uh, from your server as a JSON, it comes as a string, right? Comes as bunch of bytes to actually serialize it into .NET objects, JSON .NET objects. Now this is way 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 faster. All right, and. Uh, HTTP, HTTP 1.1 client, HTTP 2 clients, all of that stuff is great. And a lot of other improvement, WebAssembly, the garbage collection, they, 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 they improve their garbage collection in .NET as well. So it's like much, much more efficient. All right, guys, that's all for us today. A beautiful stream. I'm going to leave you here. I chat a little bit and then we're going to end that stream. Thank you so much for joining us today. We discussed many discussions. We discussed four topics. Uh, let me know if you like this new format or not. Uh, we might change it. We might go back to a, just a normal Q&A. Might just throw it back in and just pick one topic and discuss it for an hour or an hour and a half or so. But what do you guys think? What do you guys think? Thank you so much for joining us. 
I appreciate you. For people who are listening on the podcast, thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for everything. I'm going to see you on the next one, guys. You guys have a wonderful weekend. And we're going to see you very, very soon. I don't have any videos scheduled for this week so far. So I might discuss a few news here and there and see if something worth discussing. But uh, we'll see. So don't worry if you joined late. Um, I'll schedule another stream for next Saturday as usual. I'm going to give you, i let you the, know the time ahead. Sorry about that. Uh, I'll try to to stream all at the same time, 7 a.m. I know it's very early in some places, but it it's what works for me. I can't stream any later than that because I have things to attend to on a Saturday. But thank you so much. You guys take care. Love you. And I'm going to see you in the next one. You guys stay awesome. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you. Goodbye.